Welcome to Unlock Your Magic, the podcast all about living authentically and doing life on your own terms. My name is Christine, I'm your host, and I invite you to come on a journey with me to discover what it means to live an authentic life, looking at the messy bits of how to get there, and hopefully picking up some tips and tricks along the way so that you can start living life as your truest self. Now, welcome to another episode of Unlock Your Magic. Today's guest is Lydia Lee, who is a work reinvention coach, a solopreneur strategist, and screw the cubicle. And since 2013, Lydia has helped hundreds of people transition out of the golden corporate handcuffs, develop successful self-employment strategies, and reinvent how they want to work so that they can live the lifestyle they want to have. And most importantly, she believes and intentionally creating purposeful work with our strengths, values, and personality in mind, so that we're building a business we love and want to keep for years to come. Currently based on the top of the island of Bali, Lilia spends her time coaching and speaking on life of work reinventions, solopreneurship, and lifestyle freedom. Welcome, Lilia. Thank you so much for having me. I'm not in Bali at the moment, but usually that's where we met and <laughs> that's my usual stint, my base. But now I'm in Canada, which is my old stomping grounds, which is also really lovely to be here as well. Very nice. Yeah, you travel quite a bit as well, don't you? Kind of uh, find your kind of base as a job. So yeah, I'm so delighted to speak to because yeah, we kind of randomly met in a cafe in Bali that I like you do. <laughs> um, as digital nomads, you kind of do that. I don't know. Um, but yeah, it's been really fun to see your journey of doing this work and kind of helping everyone else kind of out of the cubicle. And I love when you said the, you know, the golden handcuffs, which is very true. So I wonder how can you speak to maybe what got you to that point of like, okay, well, this, what I'm doing is not working. And maybe to take us a little bit on the journey of, of how you got here. Yeah, I, you know, about 12 years ago, I was in a corporate job and actually it was one of the, the, the job that actually gave me the travel bug, which I'm, I've always been very grateful for it because it allowed me to travel six months out of the year in my old career. Um, not that I got to see everything in a leisurely way, you know, I was working and conferences and things like that, but it, it brought me around the world, you know, and that really allowed me to see that, wow, I am really happy when I'm kind of in different um, environments eating different foods, learning a different language. Um, but the job itself was quite stressful. And I was probably averaging about any anywhere between 60 to 70 hours a week uh, for that job. Like, it, you know, it looks sexy on paper. It's like just setting, you know, a <laughs> lifestyle with this job. But I was rarely home. And um, they were very long hours, right? And, um, and that was... Really, I think at that time I was in my kind of mid-20s, you know, when I had that job. And it sort of ticked a lot of the boxes when it came to the security I needed. Um, I bought my first home from that job, you know. Um, I was um, kind of first in line to potentially get a partnership in that organization at a, at, at a mid-20s person was a huge achievement. Um, so it's sort of like, you know, everything was on the right motion of where I thought my life was going to be in. Um, and then something happened where it was sort of unexpected. I was in a, I was at it on a trade mission with the Embassy of Canada. I used to work in international education, promoting Canada as a destination for education. And I've been on the road for quite some weeks now. And I was in Russia doing a trade mission in Ukraine, Russia, and Turkey. 
Um, and then I had basically a, a sort of somatic reaction to the burnout <laughs> that I was experiencing, but mentally couldn't grasp that I was going through a burnout because I think I was such a go-getter, such a type A personality that I always just thought, well, just this is how you do it, right? Isn't that what it is? Don't you try to kill yourself <laughs> to get the thing? <laughs> Everyone else around me seems to be doing it. You know, it's a very hustle kind of industry. Um, but it's interesting, you know, as they always say, you know, the, the body keeps the score, right? And um, my body certainly kept the score. And when I was in a, 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 a hotel room in Russia about to go out to a conference, um, I developed temporary agoraphobia in that hotel room. My entire nervous system shut down. Uh, I was exhausted. And then it, you know, it, it, I had an emotional breakdown in this Russian hotel room in the dead of winter. <laughs> And that was sort of the, the, the you know, it was a breakdown, but it became a breakthrough down the road. It was, it was sort of the catalyst for change I needed because I was someone that was very mentally tough um, and probably needed something like that. I wouldn't wish that upon anyone or myself again, but it was sort of the, the, the rude awakening I think I needed to experience in order to take a necessary pause in my life, heal from all that you know, unhealthy way of living and just focusing on work all the time. And it brought things into perspective for me, you know, about what what my responsibility is and my accountability to my own life, you know, and of what I was allowing to happen in order to achieve success, you know, and there's so much around that identity, isn't it, when it comes to, I can call myself a type A or whatever, but ultimately all of that parts of identity developed from the narrative, right, of my own family history. You know, we were immigrants when we came to Canada. We were very poor when I was growing up. So it was just sort of this mentality of like, hey, to get to a life worth living and to be successful, to be seen, to be acknowledged in a new place, a new country, you sort of have to stand out by working harder than everyone else there, right? And that followed me through to my adult life, which then became my narrative for, oh, success is it feels like you're sweating blood and tears to get there. There's no such thing as easeful success. It was always about pushing, always about going to that extra mile, right? That level of hustle in order to feel like I'm deserving, perhaps even, of that success. And so during that time of recovery, thankfully, I got a beautiful therapist who I still work with today, um, led me through a, a, a great journey of understanding, you know, what were some of the the components of my life that I said were my values, said that were important to me, but I wasn't living it out. It was sort of just a, a dream or something I was waiting to activate once I got to a level of success, you know? So it was such an interesting journey for me and, and still something I think about a lot, you know, as I define my version of success and happiness every year that does change and, and evolve as I evolve as a human and being very intentional. You know, it really taught that moment taught me to be very intentional about decisions I'm making and that, yes, I do want success. And yes, I do want to do good things in the world, but not at the expense of my health, you know, and other things that are important to me. So I think the going through that burnout, the identity crisis, the understanding of who I am without that job, who, I, who am I without that narrative? Um, informed me a lot on how I coach people going through that transition these days. It's not as easy as just, oh, here's a plan for your career, you know, and here's what you should do next. You know, it seems really black and white, but it's not because that person comes with a story. That person comes with 
right? That history of how they see themselves. So that conversation around that needs to be had. Um, and I think, you know, I'm very grateful and lucky to have clients that allow me into that world so that I can support them on a deeper level too. Yeah. And it's also, it's, it's the motivation behind those behaviors, right? Like why, why are you striving like that? Why are you kind of, you know, because usually, I think I used to be type A personality, but I actually realized that that was just a trauma response and that wasn't actually who I was. Exactly. Me too. So, I like, I just wanted to, you know, like get approval and, that, you know, please people and, you know, and, and, and buy myself the love, basically, you know? Mm-hmm. And I mm-hmm. think that kind of, that what that's what you speak to. I think it's kind of trying to get your clients to kind of say, well, yes, you can change your job, but like, unless you look at the underlying things of why you're in that there in the first place, you're not going to create something else something that is more aligned with you and because for a lot of people including me I didn't even know who I was I'm still figuring that out and it's I think Aren't you know all. and because you, we're kind of saying it's like you know once you kind of achieved a certain level of success it's like well the goal holds always change though because when you've achieved exactly. one goal then you know the next is going to come and the next is going to come and the next is going to come and there's never an enough yeah, exactly. So true. And and you can absolutely take the take the gal out of the cubicle, but that mindset of being trapped in a particular way of operating can still follow you. E- even if you had a successful business, I I had my second burnout while I was a business owner in 2015, yeah. you know, and I was achieving my highest revenue year at that time of my business and had another breakdown, you know? So it, it, and it was the same thing. It was like, oh, it's a business and I'm the boss, but I was still making decisions, right? Of sort of mirroring what I thought was the industry standard of a coaching practice, you know, offering lots of things, working on things I sometimes don't want to work on, but because it was a money generator thing, I said yes to it, you know? Um, and that burnout was another sort of chapter of a necessary pause that I needed again, because it, I had to recalibrate again of like, okay, even if I'm my own boss, I'm working in my underpants at home, <laughs> you know, all the, the freedom of entrepreneurship, there's still work to be done when it comes to consciously choosing the boundaries of my work. What was, and I'm, I'm so glad you said the, the word enough, because that's always been a thing that I didn't understand for so long. And even today, I, I'm, you know, still working on what's enough. And, and to take imperfect action of what that is, because what's enough now may not be what's enough five years from today. And all I can know about is sort of, you know, what's enough time, what's enough clients, what's enough money, you know, what's enough of an experience that allows me to feel content, you know, with my life without constantly having to strive for more. Because more isn't always better, yeah. right? Doing things better is better. <laughs> But knowing that, you know, the metrics and metrics, you know, when we think about that in business, it's always about revenue, isn't it? Revenue growth, right? They're always saying, oh, you made this much this year, we'll double it next year. And that's the sign of growth and scalability, you know? And so I've had to unlearn a lot of that, even from my own peers and the business world of like, actually, what if I just remain cozy? (laughs) What if I just, you know, what if I utilize the metrics of things like time? and spaciousness in my calendar and the ability to, you know, not work sometimes for weeks if I want to. And yeah. that's also a metric of success versus just how much money constantly is in the bank. Yeah, 
And I think that's a very patriarchal thing, right? That's why it's so conditioned to kind of like you're only successful in business if you are, you know, making X amount or, you know, in the in, in the online world, in our world, it's like, you know, you make six figures, seven figures. It's like, who cares? Are you killing yourself doing that? Are you like killing yourself in order to get there? Or, you know, and, and I've had to redefine that because I, you know, my business has kind of scaled right back and it's I'm at the infancy of, of a business again because I'm kind of like I've had to look at that too because I you know I was working myself into the ground as well for a while and I was like I can't do that it's it's not it's not worth it so yeah looking at different metrics is so interesting you know like Bhutan is having not the you know it has the the, the growth happiness index and I think if the world took that on as like can measure how happy people are like measuring how, you know, like, like you said, time, how much time you have to, I don't know, enjoy, like stop and smell the roses or like go for a walk or, you know, like spend the morning flaking. Yeah. Sitting at a desk and, and slaving away, you know? Um, and I've, and I've seen that. And I don't know if you've seen that with your clients. You know, I, I was speaking to someone the other day and she's like, yeah, but like, you know, I, I'd love to kind of start later in the day. I was like, and why can't you? Yeah. It's like, well, I was like, you don't have to start before any time you want. Like you mm. eat the morning time. You know, I like my morning times. I, I don't like starting before 10, 11 o'clock because that gives me time for my morning practices to go for a walk with the dog. And yeah, no. And I think that's, um, we're, and I don't know how you feel about that, but I think in the world, it's so defined for all of us, even the school, like you go to school at like, for me, it was like 20 to 8 in the morning, which is a ridiculous time in the morning anyway. But, and it's all kind of laid out. It's like, what if, you know, we worked with people and how they operate? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And that's the, that's what I think true freedom is, isn't it? You know, where it's, it's about being able to align the way you want to work and live in your with your personality with your your strengths and with the way you want to live your life right and it is you know we're so used to the sort of way of pleasing as even in business right so we're going to please the clients we're going to make sure they come back you know refer us and we look at it as kind of like we have to serve them in ways that might um yeah like sacrifice our own boundaries of what we believe could be the right thing to do you know like i work with like almost 70% of my clients are introverts, you know, and introverts are, have a different capacity to lead, right? And not to say that introverts aren't leaders, right? But the way that they work with clients and the way that they can give a lot of themselves is through a different scope of work that isn't always, for example, client facing, like what we're doing now, you know, most of my introvert clients are like, oh my God, when you do these huge workshops or live calls and you can just go for hours, that is a nightmare for me. I, I will be done by that. I would have to be in a in a closet <laughs> for eight hours after that just to, you know, recalibrate. Yeah. Um so even that whole intentional design of how you work in your offers, right? Like some of my clients who are coaches, they don't always coach live like this. They need time to think about what it is that they're solving, you know? So they need that buffer of like, I need alone time to think about what's the right thing I want to say, how I want to present it, what I truly want to share with my clients. And maybe they do it through an auditory recording or a sort of walkie-talkie style of using Voxer or Telegram, you know, to offer advice and things like that, where they have that 
sense of pause before they make a reply, you know, and they might still do live calls here and there, but they may not do it like as the main thing, you know, as part of their way of working. And not all clients will be good with that. But then that's the point is you find clients that go, thank God I don't have to be on a live call either. (laughs) Yeah. And I think, right. Yeah, exactly. And I think that's the point, though, of Party Wyatt's podcast, too, is is to figure out what those things are. Right. Mm. I think that's the kind of challenge because, yeah, like I'm I'm an introvert. I'm highly sensitive and I'm noticing more and more and probably on the spectrum, too. Yes. The world is not made for us. Good God. Especially the like the business world is not made for us. So mm-hmm. it's it's finding out first of all what it is that makes me me, and then maybe switching that from thinking, oh well, that's a disadvantage and that's a weakness, to building that into your strength, right? Exactly. Yeah, so beautifully said. And. It is not about that when you do less, it means that your quality suffers, right? Sometimes doing less allows you to do more in a deeper level because you're not spreading yourself too thin. You know, I'm kind of in the middle of the spectrum. Like I have a lot of introverted qualities. I I always get confused as an extrovert because I think I have a lot of energy, um, you know, when I do speak to people, but it's limited, you know, and it's also depends on the context of the scenario, right? And so I'm not great with big groups. I'm not good with crowds. Um, I am the, I do the Irish goodbye a lot at parties. <laughs> I need to re- re-energize, you know, by being on my own. Um, so I'm a bit of an ambivert, but, you know, it, it, even at that point, um, I do think that there is like, sometimes this, this, when I do less and I offer things that are sort of with boundaries, you know, the quality of my output actually is more because I'm not everywhere doing all the things so that I'm only choosing kind of like what's essential in how I want to work and what matters to me and my clients and just doing that really well and doing mastering either that offer or that way of marketing or communication and doing that to the level of, you know, where actually it is where people want to be invited to that world versus me being on every social media platform or every form of marketing that will probably only give me about 25% of quality because I'm spread so thin, you know? So it it is that that sort of power of constraints, isn't it? You know, the gift of constraints. And, you know, when we are forced in a way or we self-impose that sort of thing of choosing one or two avenues to get there rather than five, six pathways, then it makes that that plan much clearer and more efficient at times too. Yeah, totally. I want to backtrack a little bit though, because, you know, we've kind of jumped a little bit because where you are now, right? And and I'm really interested in, so you had the breakdown in Russia. Like apart from therapy, what kind of helped you figure out? It was like, okay, well, that's clearly a life that I thought I should be leading that you know as you know you kind of said it's like you know I, I was like that's what I thought I should be doing but you know I was miserable so how did you come back to figuring out well what are actually my values what are like how do I want to live my life and how did you transition to then living about or mm. world? Yes, it certainly was not an overnight thing that happened. You know, to me, I, I'm never the girl that wants to jump off a cliff and hope the parachute opens. I am a calculated risk, sustainable steps girl. 
And so in order for me, and I knew how I was, you know, if I, if I over, if I, if I did something drastic, I always knew that I would get kind of scared shitless and I didn't want that to happen to me. And it also, you know, thankfully my therapist was like, this, these can be the tiny, tiny, tiny steps, right? Um, so the first step I had to do was with what I had in terms of, you know, I had that job, I couldn't quit right away, right? I had to pay the bills. I had to kind of figure out a transitional project that I could work on that could replace that job eventually, but I'm still here for now. So how can I improve my now? You know, instead of waiting for when I quit, waiting for when I have the successful business. But what am I in control of now that I, I'm accountable to? And those are little things like not answering my phone at 10 p.m., not checking my email. I know it sounds so simple. I'd never do that now. But back in the day, I brought my laptop home on the weekends and opened that that baby up all the time. You know, when I'm on a holiday, I was on a holiday. I was I was trying not to be worried about the pile of emails that would await me on a Monday morning you know, or not volunteering for everything just to be acknowledged at the workplace and not being pulled into the drama and politics that sometimes corporate offices can have. So those little things help me to, you know, be in that reality, not not the ideal reality, but it's good enough for where I'm at and where I can have more control over my boundaries. That was the first step to improve my current situation. Then the second thing I had to work on is what would I replace my full-time job with? And what am I, what is the most simplest pathway I could choose? Not the forever thing. And that was the other thing I learned that every decision doesn't have to be so permanent. It's just the next best thing. Not the thing that is going to be on my gravestone or what I've known for and what my purpose is. What's the next best thing that's just better? Just one step better <laughs> than where I'm at right now. And a huge, you know, when I thought about it in smaller steps like that, then I could see opportunities. You know, it was like, what do I know that I could do today that could solve a problem in an industry that I'm familiar with? And that was the, in the industry I was in, the, the education industry. I saw the gaps like nobody's business of what was missing. It was very traditional. That industry is kind of like university and, you know, academia is like dinosaur lab. <laughs> they didn't have any modern thinking in that in that industry so i was like well i could do something in the middle here you know where i could offer different things uh being you know being able what i've worked for a school before i understand what the asians need could i be creating something new in the industry and utilize my equity that i've built in this industry the contacts the people that already know i'm a, a very hard worker and offer them something as a consultant, offer them something as a boutique agency. And so actually, I managed to convince my old bosses to be my first consulting clients. And it took a few meetings, a few sort of negotiations, because they kind of didn't understand why I didn't want this beautiful partnership that could have landed me the deal for the rest of my life. Um, but they knew I, I, I could do you know, I, I did well for them. So instead of losing me completely, we negotiated a role that allowed me to work about 20 to 25 hours a week. They would still get my gifts, you know, to help them with certain types of projects. I had to kind of convince them that actually they'll get more value out of me if they let me master one strategy or one territory for their um, for their company. Um, and then I would train someone to replace me in the other roles, right, that I was doing. And so then we had trial periods, things like that to ensure that everyone was comfortable, but that was the next leap, mm. right? To a more independent work, right? That still, you know, I still had to go to the office maybe once every two weeks for meetings, but 
majority of the times I was working from home and getting a taste of what it felt like to be an entrepreneur, to be a consultant, to learn how to work for myself and manage my time. That wasn't a nine to five schedule. Um, and it was a, a whole learning curve for me, you know, to learn how to do that. Right. So that was the first change of transition. And then as I was living in Vancouver, you know, I was paying for like a co-working space, not as fancy or not as fun of a co-working space that we have in Bali, but, um, you know, just like a receptionist to answer the phone, pretending you have an office. <laughs> Pretty much. Yeah. Pretty much. That was it. Um, and I was like, you know, it's not the cheapest city <laughs> to live in. You know, Vancouver is a, a beautiful place to live. And that's why the cost of living is high. And I remember thinking, you know, what would it feel like to be able to continue having this business, but for me to do it with other lifestyle components that I enjoy, like travel and being somewhere else. You know, I was lucky that most of my clients were abroad anyway, so they weren't coming into the office anyway, you know? Um, and I thought, what if I just left Vancouver for a few months, like maybe three months, and see if living abroad was a thing for me? I can always come back. I can always come back to Vancouver. I sort of, that was the next choice I wanted to make about lifestyle alignment. But not giving myself this, again, permanent move, right? It was like, let's just give it three months. And if I hate it within even 30 days or 60 days, just come right back. Like nothing changes. I don't have to make this huge decision in my mind that this is now my life and I have to make it work and, you know, all this sort of stuff, right? Um, I didn't know what the internet was going to be like. I didn't know if I would meet people that were my people. Or I didn't know if I would be lonely on the road, right? So I experimented with sort of go to Cambodia first and I ended up in Bali that I went to the Philippines you know all the different places in Southeast Asia and then found a great community at Hubud which is the original co-working space in Bali uh they were also ran by Canadians um you know we sort of were the pine you know sort of like the inaugural members if you will of that co-working space and I learned so much from you know the people that I've met there and then slowly I started just staying you know and then three years later I was still there and I, I hadn't returned to Vancouver for three years, you know, thinking it was going to be a three month stint. But each month I would check in with myself. Is this still something I want to do? Does this still feel right? It, it might not feel comfortable all the time, but is, this, is, is there still something I'm gaining from this experience? Is there more of me that I'm finding out that I maybe couldn't have done if I was in too much of a familiar territory in Vancouver, right? So that was another tiny step in perfect action, sort of short-term plan that became almost what, 10, a dec I just celebrated my 10-year anniversary, you know, in Bali and through the cubicle, right? So that it, time can go by really fast with these tiny little actions or choices that become big life decisions. I love that. I really do. Because it is the kind of, you know, the, the, the fear of, I think when you're stuck, it, it really feels like any... If you look at where do you want to go, that feels really big and really, like you said, permanent, right? And I love that. If yeah. you kind of break it down a little bit, it was like, okay, well, how can you improve just a little bit and kind of like, yeah. you know, maybe see it as an experiment? And yeah, I love that. And because I think, and especially the traveling, I think the fun part of that is you can be whoever you want to be without people knowing you and, and having those pre- conceived notions of how you should be acting and what you should be doing and that's always been really really fun for me because I always wanted to escape <laughs> I always wanted to like I yeah, for me traveling was a lot of escapism of like I 
Mm-hmm. But wanted to break out of like the role that I was playing in my, you know, where I was. But it also, you also learn so much about yourself when you do that. Mm. Yeah, there's something really beautiful about being in, in an unfamiliar environment in the sense of you have to kind of start from scratch. You know, like when I went to a new country, a new city, I had to go find friends again. I had to figure out where that co-working space so I could do some work. I could figure out where the grocery store is. It's sort of kind of having to do that because I didn't do that in my sort of regular life in Vancouver. I knew exactly where I needed to go. I had the same friends for the last 20 years. I said, you know, talked about the same topics with people because we were living in this sort of bubble of whatever Vancouver was about. But when you travel to different countries, you meet people from different backgrounds. You know, there's there's so much to learn of what is beyond your zip code, you know, and what what we normalize in our lives that we grew up with, you know. So that that allowed me to, tr- you know, I kind of like look at it as like I'm just trying on a coat mm-hmm. for size. Not quite sure if it's my coat. <laughs> yeah. Just going to try it for a few weeks and see how that feels because until I do that, I'm not going to really know what I like and want because what I like and want is just based on what I've been fed, what how I grew up, what my parents were like, what society told me was the right thing to do as an adult, right? Instead of my inner voice, I, how would I know what that voice sounds like if I didn't put myself in different situations and allow myself to be challenged in some ways to see what was for me and what wasn't for me? You know, when I became a digital nomad in the beginning, I thought I would be super happy bouncing around to a different country every month. I was like, oh, the dream, right? Just constantly traveling. But then what I found out was actually, no, that was very stressful for me. I did not like working on the road with, you know, unexpected, like not knowing if that Airbnb had good Wi-Fi, like not being able to like just sit and unpack and, you know, be somewhere for a long period of time and get to know the community because I needed that sort of feeling of coziness and security. I didn't want to be living out of a suitcase. I didn't want to be constantly having to make new friends every single one. It was very stressful. So in order to build my business and in order to give that business the commitment I needed to give it to grow that business, I needed to plunk my butt somewhere for at least three months minimum at a time. You know, so I wasn't, I was more of a slow mad, you know, like I, I was slow traveling more and that was more my groove, you know, but I needed to trial that sort of hopping around for a bit, having a bit of fun and then realizing, okay, that was fun, but I am not productive <laughs> and I needed a balance of both, you know? So what's the, what's one of the most surprising things, I suppose, that you learned about yourself? on this kind of journey of digital nomad and like what's the one thing that you're like huh i did not think that that was who i really was and that was that that voice was you know what that voice was well it's funny how you mentioned the inaugural motivation for you was you know when you were traveling to escape life (laughs) right i kind of resonate with that because um there were a lot of things i was trying to escape from when i started my nomadic journey um and what I always thought would happen was because I was escaping a lot of, you know, the things that I hadn't processed and worked out, you know, um, in my life, I was constantly looking for like newness, like, you know, just like, oh, new things, new environment, just to distract me maybe from really understanding like what I was responsible for in my life, you know, that I didn't want to take a look at or even the shame I might have felt with certain decisions I made in my life, perhaps potentially. Um, And so what was sort of surprising for me after I went through a few years of, you know, understanding myself and understanding my my story 
is I actually am not someone that wants to have newness all the time. I, I do want that balance. Like right now, ideally, what my life is feeling like is I love having a base. I love having a community I can rely on. I love having that stability, you know, of like, I know exactly what to expect <laughs> when I land in this home base where I'm comfortable, I'm cozy, I want to be here for a little while. And I want that about 65% of my time each year. And then the rest of the time to have a little bit of novelty, a little bit of um, surprising adventures in my life. And also, as I get older, my adventures also include more people. You know, I love now I travel more to people where I know someone. <laughs> Whereas before I was like, no, it's great. I, I don't I don't want to know anyone. <laughs> I want to just be whoever I need to be. Um, but now it's like I, I love shared experiences and being in different realities with people and and growing with people, you know, in my in my life and my work. And so that has been an interesting shift of like the escapism became sort of, you know, more actually my what makes me me is this I do need stability that actually the stability is an important part of allowing me to have the freedom of an adventure, because without that stability, I feel really lost in my adventure sometimes that it sort of feels a bit what is it all it's a bit sort of you know what is this all for right and so yeah i i and who knows maybe five years from now when we talk again that could change but for but this has felt really like the most natural way of living for me you know to have both um because people tend to miss have a misconception about me sometimes where it's like oh you're where I'm committed then if you're traveling all the time you know and not be in one place and it's like no actually that's not I'm not I'm not traveling all the time some I mean I, like last year I was in Bali for quite some time actually you know I might take little trips in Southeast Asia but I was like feeling like a nesting you know I just felt really like an, a nesting mode and honoring that and that's okay that every year I could be nesting I might want adventures I might want different things and to just check in all the time that there's not this one formula forever and ever and ever you know um, and my job is to constantly be bringing those things up to myself so that I am intentional about how I want to live my life I do love that I love the whole idea of well you, you gotta check in because like you know because as you evolve and you naturally evolve with everything that you do um that is yeah it can't otherwise you you, you would say st stagnant and you may stay the same, but you're, you, you, you know, I, I do love that the idea of keep checking in and kind of keep allowing yourself. And I think it's the permission piece to change your mind. To change your mind. Yes, exactly. That that's the, that's the freedom you have, right? To choose that, whatever you want. Sometimes people do get attached to an identity. I know I have, like when I, you know, was thinking about, you know, my, my friends will be like in Vancouver, like when are you coming back to real life? You know, <laughs> as if like, Vancouver is the only real life right and so it, it is you know sometimes having to explain things that felt really frustrating and all this sort of stuff right but um I do think sometimes you know I when I do when I feel like nesting or I'm like actually I'm going to be in Vancouver for six months I'll be like, oh are you now back to normal <laughs> you know are you back to being human again or something like that it's like no actually just just what I need right now it's still me I'm still me in that decision but for now I feel like just being here and having that kind of normal city life for just a hot minute, you know, and let's see how that feels. And if maybe Vancouver would be my second home base every year, which has been actually almost every year I come here uh, for three months, sometimes six months a year, 
you know, and I could feel that need to be here with family to be as my, you know, my family's getting, my mom's getting older, my, you know, families that I know um, their children are getting older and maybe a part of that, I want to be in that space for a bit to witness that, you know, in that life. Um, before I go back to, you know, something that I'm familiar with. So yeah, constantly changing and knowing that you're not stuck in one identity is a very freeing way to feel. Mm. And also I hear though what you're saying of, you know, the people that don't like that don't necessarily live that kind of lifestyle, just like have a real hard time understanding it. Like you said, it's like, are you coming back to real reality now? Or like, you know, are you yeah. real life now? Like seriously? And, you know, I had a friend who was like, well, it's nice and good for you to kind of toddle off for like a month to Bali every year. I'm like, it would like, you can do that too. And it's like, no, no, no. I think it's that like, I've often kind of come across that and it's like, people are so in the narrative of, well, this is how life should be. And this is all I've known that it's really hard to break out of that and mm-hmm. to kind of like even imagine a way there's a different way of living. Yeah. Yeah, what you that's why I think that exposure therapy is so important. It almost like I think one of the things that changed my mind about living abroad um, was meeting people like where I thought was, you know, I had this limiting belief like, OK, the only pe- the people that live abroad and do this thing are single people that sort of are free, fancy, free and footloose kind of um, <laughs> sort of vibe. And then I started meeting like, you know, people with families, people who are couples, people who have six children. And, you know, all the different ways that they are living a different lifestyle with their families, they're still stable, they still have, you know, the feelings of um, uh, that, that, that safety that is required for us to feel as humans. And but it's just done in a different way. And being able to be exposed to those people, change, you know, then all of a sudden normalize that, oh, you know, you can, you can world school your kids. You can sometimes certain seasons you know, put a kid in a school and then take them out. And, you know, that th- that's possible. And so until you know that, you're not going to expand your mind, right, around what's possible, what what other truths may be beyond what you know. Yeah, and that's so true, right? Because it's because if we we don't know what's out there and, you know, sometimes I think about that or like, how else do other people live? And that's partly also why I do this, right? Because it's like, I want to learn as much as I can. Like, how how do people figure out how to be more themselves, how to like lead the life they really want, even when they don't know what that will look like because they have no idea what's even possible. Yeah. What would be, I suppose, one piece of advice that you would give someone that are like, well, I'm kind of feel stuck. My life is somewhat okay, but I'm like also not like super happy. And I'm kind of, you know, what would you tell someone like that? You know, following sort of the the flow of our conversation today, like I think small, tiny, little shifts make a big difference as we incrementally do it. You know, it doesn't have to be a big move. I think when we're in crisis or feeling stuck or feeling unfulfilled, there's a need of like wanting to burn the house down. You know, it's like, ah, I'm out of here, you know, and just and that can be actually worse, I think, because then you're taking everything that has some stability for you and creating more stress in your life to go through that transition. Um, I think so, some of the, the the things that have really guided and supported me is, you know, like my first step of what I did when I had that crisis is just thinking about what are some things I can be accountable to that can improve my current situation in ways that just allow a little bit more joy, a little bit more spaciousness I need to not feel so stuck. 
right? And why am I stuck? Am I stuck because I'm a people pleaser? Am I stuck because I'm doing things I don't like? And and how can I honor, you know, some of what I value and desire in in tiny, tiny little ways, you know, that doesn't have me just flushing down my job down the toilet or, you know, declaring myself, um, I- I'm out of my life, right? So quickly. And then think about like, where can I introduce an unfamiliar thing once a month to start, once every three weeks to start, you know, even just taking, I remember like when I was trying to figure out what I was passionate about, you know, because that's such a big question. Um, I didn't know what I was passionate about. So what I decided to do was like, I just wanted to get into the vicinity <laughs> of that energy of somewhat joy and fun that maybe if I'm just in that flavor of fun and joy, my passion will emerge in some way, but just a I'm just in that energy. And so I would do things like take dance classes or take art classes because I'm really bad with my, or I thought I was really bad with my hands uh, and just allowed myself to do things that had nothing to do with work, nothing to do with like a goal, <laughs> just fun, you know? And then just being in that vicinity of that energy allowed me my brain and the chemistry of my brain to kind of be there. And then I started to notice other things that bring me joy, you know? It could be a small things like a conversation with a friend, spending more time being present with somebody, you know, um, exploring a different farmer's market that weekend, like simple, simple things. But it sort of the more I introduce those tiny things in my life that I want, I'm looking for more of that, you know, in my life. And that's where I can have control versus I need to know the answer right away about what I'm passionate about. Does that yeah. make sense? Yeah, it makes total sense because it is such a, it is also such a buzzword right now, right? It's like, find what you're passionate about. It's like, yeah, well, I don't know. Or, find your purpose. I mean, God, what a big question. No wonder we're all hiding away. Right? <laughs> but, and also kind of like, maybe I have multiple things I'm passionate about. So like, what do you do that? You know, like, what do you exactly. do that? That's my kind of problem. Like, I, I love doing loads of different things and, you know, like, which direction to go right now so yeah like but that's you know that's really helpful it was like yeah just take a tiny step towards more fun and joy and and follow that energy the flow yeah and even just experimentation you know as adults we've just lost the art of experimentation you know as kids we're always like today i want to be a doctor and the next day i'm an astronaut like you know and adults be like, good you can be that <laughs> right we were very generous with children uh we're less generous as adults to, it's like, oh, that's, you know, foolhardy or that's not responsible. We don't allow dreaming and fantasies almost to emerge from our lives. And experimentations are great because, it, it, I mean, the screw the cubicle, for example, was born out of an experimentation. I never had ever thought it would be something that would be a business. It would start as a blog. It was an experimentation to allow myself to write and be able to express myself in ways that I didn't think I could. And it was just to document my own identity crisis, going from employee to entrepreneur, a place to send my family whenever they ask me the big questions. I don't want to talk about it. Just look at the blog. (laughs) I love that. And then it became something bigger than what I even imagined it to be, you know, because I went into it with no expectations for it to be a business. It was solely to tick the box of, it's a place to share my voice. It's a place to have meaningful conversations. And that's enough for now, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and that and 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 whatever that looks like for everybody, and a small experimentation sometimes for my clients could be they're thinking about offering something that they've never monetized before. They're like, I kind of just did that for myself. I've never done it for others. You know, um, could I monetize? It's like, who cares? Why don't you just start doing it? <laughs> for with three people 
and see what happens and give that generously, you know, instead of like building a website and all the things you think you need to do to start gifting your talents, just yeah. give that away and see how that feels to work with someone on that problem. And then take data from that experience, you know, give yourself, I call that like a bit of a self-made internship, you know, give yourself an internship for this thing you think you want to do, put too much weight on it. Don't start getting a business name out and, you know, like, like registering that business doesn't have to be that approach. it could just just do it just do it for your neighbor do it for your friend make that website you think you want to do a graphic design you know branding agency well start doing that for your local community and see what happens yeah and that i suppose that's only possible though when you do have that that element of safety and security somewhat yes. right and exactly otherwise too much rides on that if you, you know, and I'm more like you, although I've, I've kind of somewhat jumped in a little bit more than I probably should have. But if you don't have that element of safety and security there, that thing that you're trying to do has to Agree. Because you yeah. have to make money from it. You have to make money to survive. So you've got to, you know, either you've got to change your lifestyle. Like I, you know, mm-hmm. I did for a while now. You know, I was like, my expenses are very low. I don't have other expenses, which means I don't have to make a ton of money in order to live, right? right. Because otherwise, like if I, if I'd have to kind of rent a place in Ireland now, well, I'd have to, you know, my transition into whatever is coming next would be a lot harder because I would have to make a lot more money right now in order to Mm -hmm. do that, right? Yeah, that's such a good point. Yeah, I think having to remove the pressures of financial pressures and things like that is so important. Like even when I negotiated that 20 hour a week thing from my from my old bosses, that was the the baseline I needed to feel like I had time to then learn how to be an entrepreneur, learn what I wanted to build on the side and utilize that opportunity as a funding baby almost right for me to buy time, right, to be able to do that. But that, you know, working 20 hours a week than what I was paid previously, you know, was almost half of the salary, right, that I was making in a way. Um, but I had to minimize a lot about how I was spending my money. You know, I wasn't eating out as much. I was very, not frugal, but, you know, I was very mindful about when I did spend money, it really brought value to my life versus this sort of unconscious spending, you know, that was taking over my life, right, back in the day. And so you're so right. Like having that stability is kind of like Maslow's hierarchy of needs, isn't it? We need that sort of feeling of safety and security to then get to the next level of things like purpose and passion and supporting other people. We got to take care of ourselves first, whatever that looks like. You know, I have some clients that will take a sabbatical to a different country and they've got some money saved up and they need that sabbatical to rest and, you know, kind of recalibrate in order to, and they, you know, would have a plan to get to have that sabbatical happen without having to worry about money. And for some of my other clients, it's like, actually, I need to freelance for at least X amount of hours a week to pay for my baseline needs. And then I have the rest of the time to go figure out my stuff, right? So we need to buy time sometimes. And I think whatever that escape plan looks like for everybody, right? Having that stability is definitely um, a goal that's really necessary, you know, to be able to give us that the freedom to explore. Yeah, which kind of brings us to... Unfortunately, the end of the conversation because we're nearly, yeah, it's, you know, it, I could always spend so much time spending, uh, talking to my to my guests here, but we only have limited time because I think we have limited 
attention span and I want it, you know, I do try to kind of keep it to an attention span where, you know, people can go. But where can people find more about you, about, about Screw the Scoobagle, about you working with you and yeah. Well, my website's the best sort of home online home to find everything. So screwthecubicle.com is my website. And right on the homepage, um, there's a lot of, like I always recommend to start with my YouTube channel. Um, that's my channel that I produce every single month, a new a new video that will uh, be related to topics around career transition, um, how to start a meaningful business and figure out what you have in your sweet spot of skills at the moment. What's the right for right now business, not the right for forever business. But what can you utilize with the assets and resources and skills and experience you have today to do something different with your life, right? Uh, and I share a lot around um, a big topic that is very close to me, which is the minimalist business um, philosophies around how to have a simpler, more essential business so that you can live your life and have more time for your life. So all of that, uh, um, if you ever want to sort of learn from me, I've got about almost 400 videos on my YouTube channel. So there will be something for you there for sure and check out all the playlists that are relevant to where you're at at the moment and that's always a great place to start to get to know me and get to know my my vibe and you know what i teach right at um at, at my business and then peruse the work with me page you know there's a quiz there to take as well uh people really love the quiz that i have there is it's basically uh what business should i start based on my personality type um that could be a nice little kickstart of you know some clarity of a direction for business. So however you enter that world, um, you can find that at ScrewTheCubicle.com. Thank you so much for taking out the time. I really, really appreciate it. It was so lovely to see you again after so many years. Yeah. <laughs> We've been following you, like, kind of seeing each other a little bit on, on social media and stuff, but we actually haven't chatted in a long time. So I really appreciate your time. Thank you for having me. I love this conversation. Thank you for listening to another episode of Unlock Your Magic. If you like this episode, make sure to head over to Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcast to subscribe, rate, or leave us a review. These small actions help us immensely since we are an independent podcast without any sponsorship. See you next time.